0: The one has come Welcome to Hub City Vineyard. To get connected or to give online, you can go to connect.hcv.church or give.hcv.church. If at any time during this message you feel called to make a change in your life, text change me. 970 Thank you, and enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. I just walked by the windows and saw that it was snowing, and you're all here. So don't get up and run out, okay? It's not going to be a lot. You'll make it home. And if you're watching and joining us online, thank you for welcoming us into your space. So before I jump into our talk this morning, I just need to discuss a few things. First, Um, Our year-end giving letters were sent out, emailed out Saturday, so be sure to check your email for your online giving statements from this past year, okay? If you do not receive it or did not receive it or have questions, please see Tracy at the Welcome Hub today, and she will answer them for you and be able to point you in the right direction so you get your year-end giving statements. First off, thank you for giving to our community of faith. Okay, everyone, thank you. Thank you for committing to it. And um, I tell you what, I literally was in tears typing up our year-end giving letter. I always send out just kind of highlights from this past year, and it just blew my mind all that God did through us, through our community of faith, and how we just made an impact uh, in this tri-state area. So thank you for giving to our church. Uh, Second... There are no slides today, okay? Somehow uh, our computer got corrupted, and uh, there will be no slides on your screen, unfortunately. So please, if you could, really use your outlines and dive into them, because I may or may not be discussing what is the hardest book in the Bible for many of you. Okay, so um, as I'm discussing this and reading the scriptures, be sure to pay attention and listen, because I don't want anything to go over your head, because I feel like God's really got something special for you this morning, amen? And before we move on and really start, is Katie Willems here? Katie? Katie? Oh, there's Katie. Katie's coming up here. Hey, Katie, could you come up here up front, down here somewhere? Appreciate it. Katie is... uh, leaving for Africa tomorrow, right? Today, she's actually leaving for Africa today. Um, she is going to serve in an orphanage, right? In, in schools and orphanages in Africa on a short-term mission trip. And I just want to pray over her as she goes and makes a difference in Africa. Is it okay if we do that? could I have a few ladies join around her and lay hands on her. If you don't mind, you can do it. Come on. I appreciate it. Anybody that feels led, thank you. Holy Spirit, come. God, we're just thankful that, that, that Katie is committed and desiring to make a difference all around the world. And God, I just pray that your spirit would go with her, would go before her. God, pro- protect her, provide for her as she's just serving the needs of those less fortunate in Africa, God. May her words, may her example, uh, may her wisdom just be downloaded into those young people. And more importantly, God, maybe you just use her, that that signs, wonders, and miracles would come out of her as she's praying for others and and just sharing the good news that you've placed in her heart. Bless her, God, and fill her with your presence now. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, Amen. amen, amen. God bless you, Katie. Thank you for willing, your willingness to go and serve all around the world. Now, for the last two weeks, many of you know I've been sharing with everyone gathered here and online, of course, what God placed on my heart for our community of faith this year. I felt him challenge us to go deeper in our relationship with him. To go deeper simply means to become more intimate to become more connected, to become more passionate about Jesus. Now, throughout the year, we're going to be looking at different areas of our lives that God wants us to focus on and change based on Jesus' life that we read about in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, when we read Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and all the people. So simply stated, Jesus grew mentally. He grew emotionally, he grew physically, he grew in his relationship with God and his relationship with others. And we are going to be looking at series throughout the year that challenge us to do the same. Last week, we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I challenged all of you to get out of the crowd and and, and to focus on one aspect of your life this month, right, for 21 days, And then join us, as you heard Tasha say, at our Freedom Night on February 2nd and experience what we believe God is going to set you free from, whether it be a struggle, a sin, a habit, whatever, on that very night. And I also ask many of you, in fact, all of us, to fast right, to give up something, whether it be social media or food or a a dessert or whatever, to to draw you closer to God, and then not only fast, but read throughout the entire Bible in one year, right? And, And I just want to ask by a show of hands, how many of you started with a fast and a reading plan this year? That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, that's you're deeper, right? That's you moving deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Now, another show of hands, just humor me. How many of you have been here for both of our gatherings in 2024? Right. Perfect attendance. You're getting deeper, right? Maybe your goal should be that you make every gathering all throughout. The year Now don't forget our 6 a.m. prayer time is happening. We've had excellent attendance this week and it will continue for the next three weeks with different leaders leading a devotional as we pray for our church, our area, our nation, and the world. So as we continue this focus today, I would like to share the scripture that God put on my heart for this morning as we look at walking away from shame and guilt. But before I read that scripture, let's open in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. God, quicken our spirits, quicken our minds that we can receive from you today. It doesn't matter if there's slides or no slides or scriptures on this screen. God, penetrate our hearts. Challenge us to change and make us more like your son, Jesus. And we're thankful for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, Go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So so we're going to be opening this morning by simply taking part in a three-question survey And I need your participation in it, okay? I I want you all in in order for this to be successful. And and before we begin, let me remind you, we're gathered as the church in a church, so that means you can't lie, okay? You can't lie. So, So everyone be honest, every hand participating. Question number one, how many of you, by show of hands, whenever you have an issue or problem with your car, that your first and initial response is to take it to the shop? Show of hands. Take it to the mechanic. Come on, hands up. Let me see him. All right. Not very many. Very very impressive. Very impressive. Don't panic. Take it to the mechanic. Right? Just, just chill out. Let them figure it out so that you don't have to deal with it. All right. Question number two. By show of hands, how many of you, whenever you have an issue with your car, your initial response is to go straight to YouTube? Go straight to YouTube. YouTube University. Right? You don't need a mechanic. You're going you're gonna to get on YouTube, you're going to push some buttons, you're going to shake some hoses, right? You're going to move things around, you're going to do everything in your power not to take it to the mechanic, true or false, right? And listen, if you're here this morning and you're a mechanic, first, let, hear me, out. I love you. I love you. But there's some mechanics out there that you simply cannot trust. And quite often, that mechanic or those shops deal with oil changes, right? Why is it you go and you get your oil change and suddenly there's 62 other things wrong with your car, right? You pull up, you want to get your car serviced, right? Hey, just get me what I asked for, right? Charge me the price that is advertised. Don't come back around the corner right smiling oh oh mr slaughterback you know my car's not even back together yet you need a transmission <laughs> and we can fix that for $2000 it's like look your sign says 3995 that's what i'm going to pay okay so you can see where i land right i'm i'm in youtube too third and probably the most critical group this morning How many of you, now many of you haven't participated yet, so I'm very confused. We must have a lot of mechanics. How many of you, when there's an issue with your car, your initial and first response is to go to your glove box that has no gloves and pull out the owner's manual? Show of hands. Really? That's pretty impressive, about eight of you, right? Not very many. All of you other people that did not participate and I did not see your hands raised, you must be mechanics so you can come look at my Jeep directly after the service. Because it's making a weird noise in the front left wheel, and I can't quite figure it out. And YouTube is just not working. Okay? So this is an intriguing group. Now hear me out. Because it was the least amount of hands that said you actually read your owner's manual for your car. And it's crazy because did you know that your owner's manual is absolutely powerful, right? There is power in your owner's manual. Every button, every fuse, every plug, how it all works is listed in your owner's manual and we don't even read it. We don't even open it. We keep it locked away in our glove box with no gloves. And it's intriguing because according to one survey from Motor Trend, 75%, that's a lot of people, of car owners, have never opened the pages of their owner's manual. Now think about that. A book that has power. It has pertinent and prescriptive information for your vehicle that takes you to and from your destinations. And it stays locked, unused, and unread in your glove box. And I share that with you today because, let's be honest, if there was a book in the Bible that stays in the glove box, locked, and unread, it's the book of Leviticus, right? There are not too many of you that pull your life verses from the book of Leviticus. In fact, this is the book that is most often skipped, or at best, skim read, because nobody reads The book of Leviticus. Where does it stay? It stays locked in your glove box with no gloves. So, Leviticus, if if we're honest, and I'm warning some of you, is the book that will mess up your read-through the year in a Bible reading plan. It will mess you up, it'll jack you up. Right? Some of you have tried it before. This is the year. I'm gonna get through the Bible. You know, I'm starting it, And, and, and you start off hot in Genesis. You're you're full of excitement, you're you're getting the stories, you're getting the names. Right? You get all the way to Exodus, you literally can smell the Red Sea, and you can see it parting. And you're like, God is setting his people free. Everything is moving in the right direction. You're excited, you're passionate about the Bible. And then you get smacked in the face with the book of Leviticus. <laughs> right? I mean, you've been there. The list, the regulations, the restrictions, the grain offering, the guilt offering, the burnt offering, the trespass offering. Right, All these different rules and regulations that make absolutely, positively no sense. And you begin to ask God, God, why is this in the Bible? What does this have to do with me? How does it apply to my life? When in reality, it has so much to do with you and me. See, if you just skim the surface of the book and you never go deeper to why God put this book in the Bible... You're never going to step into the fullness of God and all that he has for your life. And I get it. It's much easier to read Genesis and Exodus. But we all need some Leviticus. Because for much of humanity, this sums up their lives. Right? For much of humanity, we like beginnings. We like fresh starts. It's a new year. It's a new me. And and, and new beginnings are found where? In the book of Genesis. Exodus means to exit. Humanity, what? We like to be on the go. We like our schedules. We like moving from one place to the other. God is calling me to move on. I'm not being fed there. It's time for me to run to something new. But we don't like Leviticus because this is the place where God gives us instructions with specificity. Leviticus is the place of sacrifices. Leviticus is the place where we don't get to offer up what we think is good. We have to offer up what God prescribes for us to follow. But Chris, Leviticus is boring. I agree. But sometimes we have to embrace the boring because the boring is best for us. Like Phoenix, is, he just turned four this past December, and he is enamored with TV. You turn the TV on, and he's watching a show, and he is dialed in. And I mean dialed in to the point where he's so zoned in. If I yell, hey, Phoenix, it's time to read a book. If he's dialed into that TV, he's going to look at me and go, no, that's boring. And he's back to the TV. See, quite often what we have to realize is when God takes us deeper, it's boring. Because he calls us to fast from our comfort. From our comfort foods, from our comfort shows, from our comfort music, from what makes us feel good. And sometimes we have to embrace the boring and the list and the instructions because God is more committed to your depth than your entertainment. Did everyone hear that? God is more committed to your depth in your relationship than your entertainment. And there is power in this book if you take the time to read it see when you dig deeper you realize every phrase every sacrifice every regulation was put there for a reason because god is trying to give us a picture of what our relationship with him is supposed to look like and we can't keep leviticus locked in the glove box that has no gloves did you ever think why is it called a glove box when we never put gloves in it well it's called a glove box because when cars were originally created There was not enough insulation in fact for many there was no roof there was no windows so when you're driving the car you have that cold air blowing against your hands your hands go numb your fingers go numb you can't even feel the steering wheel so you bought driving gloves and you would drive with your gloves and then when you were done driving and you parked your car where did you put your driving gloves in the glove box right? But now, fast forward to today, many of us think that the glove box is just a place that we keep our insurance, right? Or if you're from West Virginia, you're protection, but you know, that's not all of us. But if we really dig into Leviticus, right? Every ritual, every sacrifice in the book of Leviticus points to a soon coming king that we just met When I read about our miracle in Matthew chapter 8, for us to truly understand what happened in that miracle that God led me to for all of you today, that miracle that that this man was healed of leprosy, we have to start in the book of Leviticus. Are you ready? Are you ready? I I feel like some of you are already bored or you're afraid to dive into this book. Are you ready to go into this book? All right, here we go. Our first thought this morning, God is holy. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. See, friends, we have to realize the closer we get to the holy God, the more we become aware of our brokenness and our need for a Savior, right? Getting close to God is like getting closer to the Son, We can lay out in June here in Maryland on the beautiful summer day and and, and be fine. We may not even need sunblock. But if we begin to move south, getting closer and closer to the equator, the more intense the sun becomes. And if we don't protect ourselves, what happens? We get burned. Right? God is holy. He is set apart. And we... If we're honest, we're sinful people. So Leviticus begins to show us and explain to us that God is holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. The Lord also said to Moses, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Okay, what, what, to say God is holy, what does it mean? What, what does that mean, Chris? It means to be set apart. Right? God is distinct. He is the one and only. He's kind of like a toothbrush. Okay? Think about it. Your toothbrush is holy. There is no one else using your toothbrush, right? Not even your spouse. Okay? When it comes to our bathroom in our house, there is stuff, if if I'm gonna be honest, that is Jessica's that I had to borrow before, right? For example, I've used her deodorant. Just a couple of times, right? It's strong enough for a man. I tested it. (laughs) A couple of times, I ran out. So I had to test it. It worked, right? I've used her scented spray before. I've used it because I was smelling ratch and had to run out to a meeting, grabbed what I could find, and just started squirting it all over my body. Because I'm going to smell fresh, right? I'm going to smell fresh. But listen, one thing. I have never used in our 26 years of marriage is her toothbrush. You know why? Because it's holy. Her toothbrush is her toothbrush. My toothbrush is my toothbrush. And and hear me out. I will kiss her at any time during the day, but I'm not using her toothbrush. It's holy. And it's set apart for her use only. Right? And now, do married couples agree with that statement? Thank you. If not, you're, you're, you're just weird, right? <laughs> just being honest here this morning. Come on. God says, I am holy. I am set apart. And this is the challenge we find in the book of Leviticus. How do we get close to God? And not only get close to God, how do we remain close to him once we're in that relationship? Leviticus 20. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart, there it is, from all the other people to be my very own. See, God calls his church to be set apart. And to be set apart means we have to what? We have to get close to God. And to get close to God requires a sacrifice, which leads us to our next thought. See, this is amazing because it's all going to come together. A mediator is needed to make a sacrifice. See, we have to realize... That that sacrifice is an event that happens in a moment. And in order to make a sacrifice, we need a mediator because we're not worthy to make a sacrifice on our own. Let's read Leviticus 4, 13 to 16, 22 to 23, 27 to 28. If the entire Israelite community sins by violating what are the Lord's commands, but the people don't realize it, they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, the people must bring a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. The elders of the community must then lay their hands on the bull's head, slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle. If one of of Israel's leaders sins by violating one of the commands of the Lord, his God, but doesn't realize it, he is guilty. When he becomes aware of his sin, he must bring his as an offering a male goat with no defects. If any of the common people sin by violating one of the Lord's commands, but they don't realize it, they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, they must bring an offering for their sin, a female goat with no defects. Now notice, in all the instances, a high priest was needed in order to bring a sacrifice to God. Leviticus Outlines for us that we needed someone ordained and called to handle the sacrifice. That is why it's called Leviticus, from the tribe of Levi. And and you couldn't just pick to be a Levite. You had to be born into it. It it, it had to be in your genes. You know, Levi jeans, form-fitting, the original blue jean. And I'm just kidding. The high priest is always born into the role of making sacrifices for the people because we need a high priest to make a sacrifice to give me proximity to God, which means to bring us close to God. Fast forward to today, we come into proximity or closeness with God through our one and only mediator named Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, we read this. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. We needed a mediator, which leads us to our next thought. Sanctification, then, is the process of becoming different. See, you need the sacrifice and the sanctification. It's a both and. What is sanctification? It's the process of staying close to God remember the sacrifice was an event, a one-time thing. Sanctification is a process that we walk through. It will take place in our lives as long as we're living on this earth. As long as we're walking, we're always going to experience sanctification or change. And it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Okay, maybe some of you had communion for breakfast. God bless you. Okay, that is awesome that you did that. Maybe you entered into the holy of holies as you were worshiping in this place this morning. God can still do a work in your life, right? It doesn't matter how holy you think you are. Here's the reality. There's always going to be spots. Okay, there are thoughts that come into our mind during a normal day when we look in the mirror and think, where did that come from? Because it was not pretty. Others, of you cut someone off on your way to Hub City this morning... Right? And not only did you cut them off when they blew your, their horn at you, you may have turned around and used a finger. Some of you on your way to church this morning got in a fight with your spouse. Right? The point, the point, God is not done with you. All of us are in the sanctification process, and this is why we will never arrive. We'll never be Jesus. There was only one perfect spotless individual and his name was wow how about some participation can I please get a round of coffee for everyone for first service Mm. every new day is an invitation to go deeper and to continue taking steps getting closer to God sometimes of course we fall down But I want to encourage you, don't stay down, get back up, and keep moving forward because we are in a relationship with Jesus. He desires that we pursue purity, right? This is how we become different. The process of becoming pure means that God has to outline it for us. What is clean? What is unclean? What do you eat? What shouldn't you eat? Where do you go? Where can't you go? Leviticus eleven two 2-4, 9-10, through, 4, 9 through 10, 13, and 20. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and chews the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews to cud but does not have split hooves, so it is ceremonially unclean for you to eat. I've never eaten a camel. Thank God, I don't want to. (laughs) Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales. Never taken from salt water or from streams. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must not eat winged insects and walk, that walk along the ground. They are detestable. And then Leviticus 11, 24 to 25, the following creatures will make you ceremonially unclean, which means don't touch. If any of you touch their carcasses, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up their carcasses, you must wash your clothes and you remain defiled until evening. God doesn't call us to go deeper and then look like everyone else because If you look like everyone else, that just means you're shallow. If you're going to go deeper, it means that your life will look different than other people. Shallow people are all the same. Did you see what she was wearing, sister? (laughs) Did you read what they posted? Can you believe they posted that? Did you watch that TikTok on how to live your best life? Did you read that news report? Now, I'm not saying we should not be aware of what is happening in the news or in our culture, but if we're going to go deeper with God, we need to see things from a spiritual perspective, from a kingdom of God mindset. We have to be aware that we have an adversary that tries to cause division in our families, division in the church, and division amongst people, thus the reason the political circus is about to begin this year. Division. Because when division happens, who wins? The enemy, the enemy wins. We have to realize deeper looks different. God says, I am holy, and I want my people to be holy. Therefore, your life will look different than anybody else's. So he starts hitting them with different instructions, what you can eat, what you can't eat. God cares about what you put into your body, right? What you can touch, what you can't touch, because God knows about germs and what they will do to a community, Many of us are experiencing the power of germs this winter, right? It's a negative aspect. He even gives details to them about childbirth because God cares about his creation and how humanity is born and what we produce on this earth. In chapter 15 of Leviticus, it gets a little nasty just being honest with you because it begins discussing the bodily fluids that come out of our bodies, Because there's some negative things that can impact different people. And all these different details and recollections that that, that calls us, right, to look up to God and say, God, why am I reading this? Why do you care about this stuff? God is teaching us this principle. You can't compartmentalize God. God refuses to be regulated to a Sunday morning gathering. He wants every single part of us. But for so many Americans, they regulate God to a Sunday morning experience when in reality he says, you can't live off that Sunday morning experience for the six days to follow. You need me every single day. That is consumerism. Don't be a consumer. I want all of your life. I want every aspect and every detail. And what's intriguing about our scripture this morning is that to understand what the healing of the leper really meant is to understand what leprosy is. And this is discovered in the book of what? Leviticus. In fact, we find two chapters dedicated to skin Two chapters where God speaks to Moses and Aaron about what to do when someone has a defilement in their skin. Leviticus 13, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if anyone has a swelling or a rash or discolored skin that might develop into a serious skin disease, that person must be brought to Aaron the priest or one of his sons. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If the hair in the affected area is turned white, (laughs) and the problem appears to be more. Than skin deep, it is a serious skin disease, and the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. More than skin deep. Now, now I know this has nothing to do with you, but I know that Rudy and I are thankful that we're no longer living under the old covenant. <laughs> See, during this time period, there was no medical community; therefore, the high priest had the responsibility of checking any pimple, blemish, spot, or rash that was protruding with pus, okay? Listen, I thought my job was tough, but if I was responsible for making all these sacrifices, killing all these animals, and then I'm responsible for checking your rashes, no, thank you, I'm out of (laughs) here. Thank you, Jesus, for making another way. That's all I got to say. Because the last thing I want to do is examine your skin. In fact, I really don't want to examine anything on your body. And the next time you get injured, side note, okay, but a little truth to it. The next time you get injured or you're struggling physically with an injury, simply communicate with words your need of prayer. Okay? I don't need to see a picture of your infected rash, of, uh, uh, of the hole that is, that is bleeding profusely from your forearm and, and showing me this white pus infected blemish. Listen, if you speak it, I will trust your words, okay? I don't need to see an image and I will pray for you by your words being communicated to me. Amen? I don't need to see it. The point. We need others to assist us in our relationship with God, which leads us to our next thought. See, humanity, you and I, we're not qualified to examine ourselves. Leviticus 13, 3 through 4. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If the hair in the affected area is turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, it's serious. And the priest who examines must pronounce that person unclean the priest will quarantine that person for seven days. See, the principle we discover in the book of Leviticus is that we often skip over it and we avoid it because none of us are qualified to do a thorough examination of ourselves. Because if we examine ourselves, you know what? We're always going to give ourselves a pass. Oh, we're good. All of us are going to say, it's not that big of a deal. I don't need advice. I don't need to see a doctor. I don't need to change. Listen, I know myself, okay? We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the intellect to know what is a big deal and what is not a big deal on our own. We have to humble ourselves and go and see the priest, okay? Communicate with God. To examine whether this is a major issue or not. And that's why I always encourage you to go to God in prayer. And this is why so many people don't like the church. Or they run from community. Anytime someone calls out a spot, a wrinkle, or a blemish. Discusses an issue. Even when it's done in love. People act all church hurt. When in reality, they don't want anyone dealing with their spots. Because we like our spots. And the beauty of this text is that it's telling us that we're not qualified to examine ourselves because we're always going to blow it off because we like to compare ourselves to others as a means of lessening our own sin and our struggles, right? I cheated on my taxes last year, but at least I didn't rob a bank. I'm not an addict. You know, I, I just need to smoke a joint at night to take the edge off. It just brings me down right? We always are going to give ourselves a pass. There's always a reason that we do the things we do. And have you ever noticed that whenever we have a health issue, Right, whenever something's going on, the first thing we do for many of you is you go to WebMD, and then you get all freaked out because it says could lead to cancer. So immediately you call your doctor and you schedule an appointment. Now, here's the crazy thing about going to the doctor. When you roll into the doctor's office, you'll straight up strip down bare naked and be like, hey, check this out, I got an issue. Can you please look at this and tell me what's going on? And then we have the audacity to say we don't trust God, when in reality, we can put our faith in the medical community. God bless the medical community. I love them. But how many of you have actually paused and asked your doctor, hey, where'd you go to school? What kind of grades did you get? What exactly did you study? Right? How many of us have ever done that? I've never done that before. Well, I just put my faith in the doctor that they're going to look at my blemish and tell me, oh, it's just a little rash. Put a little cream on it, and you'll be fine. Right? When in reality, our doctors could have walked right off the street, put a white lab coat on, and said, oh, you're good. But yet we won't trust God. We won't put our faith in God. I want to encourage you this morning. It's time to let go of your pride and receive an examination. It's time to let go of your uh, attitude that you got it all together and allow God to really search your heart. And this is what would happen when a person would go and see the priest regarding a skin issue. The priest would examine the spot and then that person would have to go into isolation for seven days to determine how deep and severe that skin issue was. Now imagine those seven days of isolation. You're separated from your family. You're separated from your community. You can't talk to anyone. And you're wondering, how deep is this rash? I I, I don't know about you, but I thought, man, I would be praying real hard. I would be desperately asking God to move in my life. One thing I know about those seven days, right, is I would not care about anyone else and their issues. In those seven days, you're not going to be worried about someone else's skin. During those seven days of isolation, you're not going to be worried about the gossip online or the news line, right? Or the drama in your family. And God is trying to highlight for us that we need to be focused on our own skin. We need to look in the mirror and be honest about our relationship with him, not everybody else's. It's not about where everybody else is because we're all in different places. The point is, are we moving forward in our relationship with Jesus, See, shallow people worry about everybody else's issues and are not worried about their own. And God is calling our community of faith to what? Go deeper. And see, after seven days, the person with the skin issue would return to the high priest for examination. And if it was just a rash, they would be cleansed. But if they say it's more in skin deep, that means they had leprosy. And ladies and gentlemen, that would be the darkest day of your life because leprosy was the greatest defilement of the skin. Leviticus 13, 45 to 46. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease, listen to this, must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. Sorry, ladies. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, as long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean and they must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. We have to realize that in the Old Testament, leprosy, leading to our final thought, number five, leprosy was a metaphor for sin. Leprosy was a metaphor for sin. Leviticus 14, 19 through 20, then the priest, listen to this, this is, to, this is for the leprosy. Then the priest must present the sin offering. To purify the person who was cured of the skin disease, after that, the priest will slaughter the burnt offering offered on the altar along with the grain offering. And through this process, the priest will purify the person who was healed, and the person will then be ceremonially clean. The point is, leprosy was a metaphor for sin because of the way it works. Now think about it. Let me share with you about leprosy a little bit. leprosy is something that starts absolutely insignificant. But then all of a sudden... It works deceptively into your body, and then it spreads before it devastates you completely. And that's the way sin works in our lives, right? It always starts out, oh, oh, it's not a big deal. It's never a big deal when we sin. And we have to realize, friends, the enemy is not stupid. He is always going to make it seem like it's not a big deal. Why? 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to what? Devour. It's not a big deal, right? It could start out as a thought that lingers too long. Where did that come from? It, it could be that you're scrolling on a page and you look at a picture too long, right? It will start small and then it will leak or break into your integrity. It always starts small. We think we can handle it. And then it starts working deceptively into our hearts, into our minds. And we don't even realize how deep it is coiling up inside of us. Leprosy was so debilitating that it would attack a person's central nervous system. And it would go deep inside of that person. As a matter of fact, leprosy can lay dormant from anywhere from four to eight years before anyone saw a symptom not even realize what it was doing in their very body, it works deceptively. And then it spreads suddenly quickly. It spreads faster than you realize, and suddenly leprosy is over the entire body. Now, I always heard, and I was one of them, that have taught you, right, from different teachers and preachers, that, 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 that leprosy causes people's limbs to fall off. But we never know why. We just see this person with one arm walking around. Right? We never know why. was because What did leprosy attack? The central nervous system. And people infected with this disease literally could not feel their limbs. Once it started to spread, a person literally could have their hand in a fire and have their hand melted off, and they wouldn't even feel it because they lost all sensitivity in that hand. And that is how we know it's gotten deep. That is how we know when sin is deep in our lives. You know when? When we don't feel convicted anymore. When we are not convicted of sin anymore, that means it's suddenly gone down deep inside of your heart. At one point, you used to weep. At one point, you used to be up front on your knees asking for forgiveness. And now suddenly, there's a sin inside of you that doesn't even cause you to change. There's no more conviction. But the more we remain in our sin, right, what happens? The less sensitivity we have towards it. And then suddenly we find ourselves devastated by the results. Destroyed marriages, right, sicknesses, disease, bad choices, bankruptcy, you name it. Leprosy was to be alive but dead. And at the same time, this is the picture that God has given us of what sin does to our lives. It starts out insignificant, no big deal. It works deceptively inside of us so that we ignore it. It spreads quickly and it devastates completely. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And this doesn't even include the social ramifications a person would experience. Think about it. They're completely isolated from the community. They're completely isolated from their families. And then they hang out with other lepers. Any time a leper got close to another person that was clean, they would have to cover their mouth. They have to put on their mask, rip their clothes, and shout out, unclean, unclean. Imagine, now hear me out. Imagine the shame of shouting out your issues everywhere you walked. Everywhere you went, if someone got close to you, you would have to shout out what you're struggling with. Imagine that. I mean, the enemy has already been beating you up over this secret sin of your life. Could you imagine having to walk down the street, walk in the HTV and shout? Right? I'm addicted to porn. I cheated on my wife. Imagine that. And we can't laugh because it's not funny. It's serious. This was a picture of what leprosy and sin do to our lives. And think about it. Our skin, our mind, and our body, they're all connected. There's a reason you get a pimple when you're stressed out. Why? They're all connected. Our skin is connected to our emotions and is connected to our mind and how we feel. And God is the greatest psychologist and dermatologist because he goes deeper than the skin and deals with our what? Our hearts. And the shame we deal with started out in the book of Genesis. It's going to blow your mind. We're putting this all together. We're literally going from Genesis all the way to the New Testament in one sermon. Think about the ramifications of sin when Adam and Eve first disobeyed. What happened? The first time humanity did not feel comfortable in their own skin, what did they do? They hid. And they did what? Covered themselves with fig leaves. At that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Right? Fast forward to today, they cover themselves with social media posts and images that I'm living the best life ever. We cover ourselves with designer clothes because we're not comfortable in the value of our own name and our own identities. They cover themselves with leaves and they hid. And then in verse 21, we read, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for for Adam and his wife. After they made fig leaves to cover themselves, God made them garments of skin or clothes. And if you read past that too fast, you miss the understanding. Where did God get the skins to cover Adam and Eve? I mean, he did not just suddenly make skins out of nothing. He didn't just think, grab them out of the sky. Oh, I just grabbed them from Jupiter and put them on Adam and Eve. He had to what? He had to kill an animal. He told Adam and Eve that the day they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would what? Die. And he meant what he said. Because he's that connected to his word. He meant it. Someone had to pay the price. There had to be a sacrifice for the proximity. But because God loved Adam and Eve enough, He didn't want them to die. The first murder in Genesis was not Cain killing Abel. It was God who killed an animal. And we read past it so quick that we don't even catch it. Adam and Eve had to watch that animal die, then watch God cover them with its skin because it was a picture of what he was going to do when Jesus died on that cross. And it's all coming together. Jesus died naked and ashamed to cover you and me. And that is why we can lift our heads to God and praise him for what Jesus did on the cross for us. Every lamb, every bull, every turtle dove that was sacrificed in the book of Leviticus was just a picture of the foreshadowing of the Lamb of God that was coming to take away the sins of the world. And if you feel like you can't bring your issues to Jesus, then you haven't fully realized that Jesus died for those issues. He doesn't want us to deal with it on the surface. He wants you to go deeper and to deal with the shame and guilt that's in our lives. And it's interesting, whenever you read about leprosy in the scriptures, you never read about someone that was healed from it. You read they were cleansed, which means when we feel dirty, when when we're struggling in our sin, Jesus makes us feel what? clean. And in the Old Testament, it's going to blow your mind, you ready? In the Old Testament, you'll never see anybody get to do what was prescribed in the book of Leviticus regarding leprosy, right? Only Naaman and Miriam were healed of leprosy, but they didn't follow the prescriptions because it came before. But but in the Old Testament, you never read about a priest offering a sacrifice for someone cleansed of leprosy. So you got all the Old Testament after Leviticus, right? And then you got the 400 years of silence— And and God, why is this regulation in the Bible? It never happened. It seems like there was no hope, no meaning, no cleansing for all these hundreds of years until you read Matthew chapter 8, and it all comes together. Large crowds follow Jesus. A man with leprosy comes and approaches him, kneels down. And think about it. That man couldn't even come to Jesus. He was supposed to be separated. Lord, The man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out, touched him. He says, I'm willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy, what? Disappeared. Now notice what Jesus says. Don't let anyone, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus is more than willing to heal you of all your hurts, hang-ups, and addictions. Hear me out, friends. Don't allow a damaged church person to lead you to believe that Jesus is not compassionate and willing and loving and wants to set you free. Then Jesus tells the man with leprosy to what? Go to the priest. Why? Go to the priest. Make the offerings necessary. Why? Because everything prescribed in the book of Leviticus that we never read or never understand, was written for this encounter in Matthew chapter 8. So that Jesus could be, I'm the one. I'm the one that came to set you free. Which leads us to our action steps. Walking free of shame and guilt. Number one, real simple, those are going to go quick. Confess your wrong. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. we got to go to God, right? Jesus is inviting us to submit to him and go all in. Now hear me out. If the shame you are experiencing is due to the wrongs committed to you by someone else, forgive that person. And then ask God to lift that burden from your heart. Administer hope, healing, and restoration. It's one or the other. Leading us to our next step. Counter lies with truth. Listen to the power found in these scriptures. Colossians 2. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The enemy has no right to lie to you. Romans 10. Romans 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Isaiah 61, instead of shame and dishonor, listen to this, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. How many of you want a double portion? I want a double portion this morning. That's what I want. Because our world needs, needs more joy. Number three, memorize Romans 8.1. Dang it. I wish I had this one on the, on the screen so we could read it together. Oh, we do? Let's go, guys. You ready? Yeah. Sky Bible. We're all going to read it together and read it with authority. Can we do that? Here we go. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads you to death. Mm. See, quite often what happens, though, is we feel shame because we worry about what other people think about us. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Focus on what God says about you and there is no condemnation, and you are free. Memorize that verse this week, which leads us to our last step. Make amends when possible. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And this is challenging, I get it, but it opens the door for God to change the lives of others through you seeking forgiveness from them. James 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, I, I just, as we close, two things read your owner's manual, it's important. just sensed that there would be people here this morning that struggle with shame and guilt. And you you just, you do. It's just a part of your life. And here's the reality. You don't have to stay there. God is inviting you to walk away from it. Just like that man with leprosy, he walked away from Jesus. He went and presented himself to the priest. And imagine that priest. They haven't seen anybody healed. And suddenly there's someone healed. Will you stand with me? Holy Spirit, come. So, um, two two things. First, if you haven't prayed the prayer and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Okay? We do it every week. It's just a part of our community of faith, part of our gathering, and we will continue to do it as long as I'm pastoring here. Because it's your means to start your relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm broken. I'm full of doubt, shame, regret, sin. Change me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. Make me new. Set me free. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to serve others. In Jesus' name. Come and be